I didn't know what peace was until I met Joseph. Before I met Joseph, my thoughts about peace were shaped by a song I memorized when I was five years old. And I remember all the words, but I'm going to uh, torture you with the ones I do. And it went something like this. Peace is when the wind stops blowing. Peace is when the sun is showing. And it really set me up to think of peace as nothing much really going on. In fact, if it was the same for you as it was for me when I came into chapel today, the wind was blowing, therefore today is not a peaceful day. But I grew up thinking that peace meant bliss, maybe, contentment, not being disturbed, definitely not being in conflict, which meant that I couldn't seek peace hardly anywhere. I definitely couldn't seek peace at my school, because there were other kids there. I definitely couldn't seek peace at home, because I had siblings and parents. It was impossible to seek peace anywhere. I kept waiting for that sigh, that exhale, that, ah, this is peace. It didn't come. And then I heard Joseph's story. When Joseph was 10, soldiers came and occupied the bus station in his town, effectively cutting off all of their access to anywhere else in the world. Those soldiers made Joseph's home a place of exile. They could not get to their places of work. They could not get to family or friends. They had very little time reaching out and living the way they were accustomed to live. And the people in the township in South Africa where Joseph lived did not openly rebel. They did not protest. They did not fight. Every once in a while, graffiti would appear on fences and on walls in the township saying, Go home, Vervud. For Vervud was the architect of apartheid in South Africa. And one day Joseph came home to his mother, and he had dust on his knees. His shirt was disheveled, and there were flecks of white paint through his hair and all over his body. And his mother looked at him, sized him up, and sent him to wash up, put on his best clothes. He thought about resisting, but she gave him the look. (laughs) So he went and did it. He washed up. He put on his best clothes. He thought, well, we're probably having people over. He walked to where his mother was. She was in the kitchen. She was boiling water and setting teacups on a tray. And he thought, well, yes, of course. We're having people over as we often do in the evening. It'll be my job to help my mother. And pretty soon comes the request from the mother, Joseph, go and get the tea. So Joseph goes to the shelf for the tea. They have ordinary tea and they have nice tea. And so he picks out the ordinary tea because that's what they usually have. And his mother says, no, the nice tea. He brings it back and the tray is full of teacups, not just five or six, some friends over in the evening. The tray is full and she wants nice tea in every single one of those teacups. And so he does it and they prepare and time goes by and nobody comes to their house. And she says, Joseph, it's time to go, come with me. And they take the tray of teacups and they leave the house and they walk down to the bus station and they start giving tea to the soldiers who are guarding 
the bus station. And again, Joseph wants to resist, and his mother gives him the look, and he knows. This tea is for those soldiers. And so all the soldiers drink the tea. They're laughing and cajoling, and Joseph and his mother are standing there. They place their teacups back on the tray, and Joseph's mother takes him and says, Without a word, we're going home. They turn toward home. And one of the soldiers calls out, Thank you, woman. Joseph froze. What's going to happen now? His mother turned around and she said, I am not a woman. I am your mother. And when you get back to your mother in the city, tell her that when you were in the town, your mother here took care of you. It was cold and you were thirsty and your mother gave you something to drink. When you get home to your mother in the city, tell her your mother in the town took care of you. And Joseph and his mother went back home. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. These are the words to the exiles taken out of their home, out of their land. It's not their place, not their language, not their people. They are not at home. My friends, in our world and in our midst, there are people who are not at home. People who find themselves not welcomed, not with their people, not in their land, not with their God. And if you want to know how it feels to be in exile, you can read Psalm 137. For there it says, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down and we wept when we remembered Zion. On the willows there we hung up our harps. For there our captors asked us for songs and our tormentors asked us for mirth, saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. There are people in our world and in our midst, who are in exile. And advice came to the exiles who were in Babylon, too. Folks said, it's going to be over soon. Don't worry. Don't do much. Pretty soon you'll be back to the familiar. Stay to yourselves. And Jeremiah said, I think the word of the Lord for you in exile is different. I think it's not sit and do nothing and wait to go back to the familiar. I think it's this. I think it's build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and give your sons and daughters in marriage. Seek peace. Seek the welfare of the city you're in. For your welfare is bound up with their welfare. And these are things they can do. They can build, they can plant, they can marry. Okay, it's not a peace summit. It's not high-level talks that change policy. It's not an organized protest. It's not regime change. It's not even the big harvest. It's not even the big wedding day. It's plant gardens and eat what they produce. It's marry and give your sons and daughters in marriage. If you've ever planted a garden or lived in a marriage that was yours or a marriage of somebody you were witnessing, you know that it's daily work to tend a marriage, daily work 
to tend a garden. It's not just the fun part of planting and the fun part of harvesting. It's tending the plants. It's pulling out the weeds as they're doing in our campus garden right now. And not only pulling out the weeds, but deciding what are weeds. Right? My grandmother used to call them volunteers because she never wanted to decide ahead of time whether it was a weed or not. She wanted to remind us that those weeds have a will to live and they volunteered to be here and some of them may be beneficial to us. Think about where we live as a garden. What do we do daily to tend the plants that are growing among us to make sure they get the air and the water and the sunlight they need, to make sure that those tender roots are not choked out by weeds, but to pay attention to who's getting to say who the weeds are. Even in this place, CLU and Thousand Oaks, it is sometimes a place of home and sometimes a place of exile. And there are people who feel one or the other much of the time. But perhaps even you go between, back and forth, between home and exile. Are these my people or not my people? And you wonder, do I just hold on until it's all done? Do I wait for that sigh, that ah, that peace? Is it when the wind's not blowing? Is it only when the sun is showing? Or is it this word, this daily word, build, plant, seek peace, say yes to a future that you will show up for every day, a future that though it's unclear or uncertain has been given to you, and not only to you, but to those with whom your welfare is bound, your peace is bound. Seek the welfare, seek the peace of the city into which I have sent you into exile or where you find yourself at home. And pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. Thanks be to God.